mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 10. We're going to be beginning in verse 1 this morning. Now, if you'll remember with me, Jesus, in chapter 9, healed a man blind from birth. And he has taken this man and used him as an illustration. He's used him as a picture to you and I of leading someone all the way to himself. And this is what we need. We need people to come to Jesus. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself, Jesus has said. For this purpose I have come, Jesus has said. And now we're going to see that he leads him all the way to what? The good shepherd. And that's what John chapter 10, the first uh, 30 verses really are about, is the good shepherd. And we need to understand that because we've been given bad shepherds. You know, Jesus planted a field and the enemy, while it was dark, came out and, and sowed tares. And he's really destroyed the kingdom of God, if you look at it with a physical eyes. But in a spiritual eyes and in a spiritual sense, Jesus already knew what was going to happen. God already knows all of this. And he still gives his sheep eyes to see and ears to hear what he would say to the church. And that's why it's so important that we stand up and stand out and don't shut up, but we speak up because we know the truth. We know who the truth is. It's Jesus the Christ. And so now as we closed out last week, in the end, he met this blind man that was blind from birth. And then what did he do at last? He opened his spiritual eyes because he says, Have you, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of God? And he said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe him? That's 36. And Jesus said, you have both seen him, and it is he who you are talking with. Are you talking with Jesus? Are your spiritual eyes open and you're not talking with Jesus? You're not in prayer? You're not learning to articulate and learn his voice so that you can be one of his sheep in his fold? So you can hear his voice and follow him and understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If God tells you to do something, you get out of the boat and you go do it. You get to see the evidence of walking by faith as he comes through and does it. But if God tells you to do something and you get out of the boat and you don't do it, then your faith doesn't grow. You don't get to see God come through because you've silenced God. You, you put your hand in his face and you say, nope. Talk to the hand. I'm the authority here. Listen, God is talking to these, this man, leading him to himself. He led him all the way to himself to come to know him. And now he wants him to follow him. What does this man do? He says, Lord, I believe, verse 38, 
Pistio, I trust, I commit myself to you. I entrust my spiritual well-being into you. You're the Messiah. He believes him. And then he worshiped him. He bowed down to him. He gave up his will to him. He bowed completely down to God's will. And it's God's will that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. They would change their mind and stop going in one direction, which is away from God, and they would turn and follow God. But there's those that are listening, <clears throat> and they hear, and I'm skipping over some verses here. They're listening, the Pharisees, the separatists, those that are the teachers. If you're keeping with the theme, listen, there's no break in between these chapters. This is all one scroll as it was written. And, and we have breaks so I can tell you to turn to chapter 10. I can tell you to turn to chapter 10, verse 16. I can tell you where to go and you can know where I'm at. But those were added later. And none of these breaks are here. So the conversation continues. So make sure you remember that as we go through it. That's why I read 1 through 10 last week. I think I read 1 through 10. Um, in the context of what it was, because they said, uh, when they heard his words, verse uh, 40b, are we blind also? And how did Jesus answer them? Now, get remember, they're the leaders. They think they're the shepherds. They think they are leading people to God. And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Listen, their sin, really, he's speaking of here mainly is the sin of unbelief. God had told him he's going to send a Messiah. They're telling everybody the Messiah is coming. They're telling everybody how to live, and they're false shepherds. They're lost shepherds, and they're blind. Their sin of unbelief because they will not believe that God keeps his promises. They do not believe that Jesus is God. And everything that Jesus does is clearly to show that I am. That's what he's trying to show them, that he is the great I am, the self-existing one. He makes clay. They hear it. They understand it. And they say no because it doesn't line up with what we're doing. Listen to me. I think we're in great fear, great fear uh, in the church today of doing the same thing that they've done we've been handed a system see these people quite quite naturally did not create the system but they keep repeating the system that is so far away from god that it has nothing to do with god and they keep repeating it and handing it on because they refuse to listen to the word of god and the spirit of god and be drawn near to god and be taught by god and so as Jesus begins to talk about the good shepherd, you're going to see that the Old Testament is riddled with shepherds. See, because they were sheep herders. They were flocks. You know, we're going to see that, that first of all, Jesus, he says that, that they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That this has to happen first. All of these things are going on as we open up the text and we see that these shepherds, and we'll get into it more next week as we go into Ezekiel 34 and a couple places where we really need to see that the shepherds have walked away from God and made up their own little rules, their own little religion, their own little dress codes, their own little interpretations of the law. And it's the same thing we're doing in the church today. And then we hand it down. And then if the other people, they go back to the Word of God and they ignore your traditional teaching, 
then they're the bad guys. Just like they crucified Jesus, they want to crucify you for saying, go to the Word of God. But see, when we, when we put self on the throne, when we put self on the throne and we want to be the decider of who the shepherd is, we want to be the shepherd of our own life. Don't, don't judge me, man. I'm the boss of mine. I'm the one doing this here. Listen, if you don't make the Word of God your shepherd, we're going to see in a minute, he's not just the door. He is the shepherd of the sheep. He is the door. He's the way in. He's the way out of this world. We need to listen to the Word of God. And we need to follow his authority structure, not our own. And when we follow self, what do we do? We raise up shepherds that tickle our ears. We raise up shepherds that teach physical. We raise up shepherds that teach things that are not true. They're politically correct, but they walk away from the scriptures. They water it down. They make it fit so that I can keep walking around and doing exactly what I want to do, but everybody else is messed up. And we actually, in ourself, lead ourselves straight to hell. We make a choice that I do not want the light of the world to lead me. I do not want to be in fellowship with him. I like what I'm doing. And we really, we reject. And we stay in unbelief. We don't grow in our faith because we don't put our faith and our trust in the word of God. Listen, all of that's leaving sin out. Sin has been dealt with at the cross. Quit looking at people and saying, sinners. If you're in the church, sin is dealt with. Who are you going to follow is the question. Because you can't follow Jesus and stay in sin. If you follow Jesus, then the power of sin will be gone. You'll be in life. Listen, the penalty's been paid for. You want to lose the power, begin following the light of the world. Begin obeying. Begin walking in righteousness. Being led by the good shepherd. The great shepherd, the chief shepherd of the sheep. See, because all that was before him are thieves and robbers. And they, they, they butchered the word of God. They butchered the relationship with God. They used it to be in power and control of people instead of presenting you to God. All we're supposed to be doing is presenting people to God, saying, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. And if they're reconciled to God, they'll become a disciple of God. How can you meet the Lord of glory and not want to follow him? How can you meet the Lord of glory and not want to be like him? How can you recognize your own sinful, evil flesh and not surrender it? Unless it's your own self-will. You want to shepherd your own life. I'm going to go to a church that teaches the way I like. Listen. You want Jesus to purify you. You want him to wash and cleanse you. You want him to confront you in your sin. Because if not, you may not be saved. If you're able to stay in your sin, live in your sin, be in your sin, and you don't understand the gospel, I'm not saying stumble. A lot of us stumble. All of us stumble, I should say. Not a lot. We fall down. But you know, one day we're going to lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Because it's all because of him that we're able to even be here. Listen, so these blind guides, if the blind lead the blind, they both end up in the ditch. They, they find one proselyte, that's somebody that they want to tell about God, and they make them twice the sons of hell. Why? Because they're not using the word of God with the spirit of God, bringing them to God. They want to bring them to their system. They want to bring them to Harvest Chapel. They want to bring them to whatever church you go to instead of bring them to Jesus. 
And any time, any time you add something else to the gospel, any time you say this is what we're doing, any time other than the reconciliation of souls, you add something to it, you are in danger of becoming a thief and a robber because you're stealing the true, pure, simple gospel away from Jesus, who is there with his spirit, convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. So when we start adding some other stuff to it, you can become like these blind guides. Eventually, you begin to build your structure, your rules, your system, and now they have to walk like this and do like this and be like this, and you end up with an apostate church. You have people that are called out from the world, but they're not called to Jesus, and it's apostasy. You have a form of godliness that rejects the power, which is the Word of God. God sent His Word to heal the land. And what did the Word do? He came and took flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then what did He do? He died on a cross and rose again and asked the Father to send back the Spirit so that He could live in our hearts And be the porter. That's what's going to happen as we get into this. Let's get into this a little bit and look at it. But basically, they're blind. They think they can see. They think they're okay and they're pointing out everybody else's sin, but they're blind. And they've missed God. And they're trying to lead people to God when they don't even have a relationship with God. Listen, point them to Jesus. If not, you're in danger of lifting up your heel against him. You're either going to lift up Jesus or you're going to lift up his, your heel. Listen to me. We've got to wake up to this. But we can't just keep doing what we do. I'm saved. I'm doing what I'm doing. Listen to me. We can't act like it's only the preachers. It's only the Bible study leaders. It's the body of Christ. I'm going to preach the same message every single Sunday. Because it's all of us together, but we've been handed an apostate system just like they have, and Jesus is standing before them, and they're so blind they can't see the truth. They're with them, and he goes on to bring accusation against them and say that you're the blind shepherds, you're the shepherds of unbelief leading people to hell, and I'm the good shepherd. And he's going to say, why? Because he's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And if we're following Jesus, we should be willing to lay down our life for others. We should be able to get off of our thrones, our selfishness, and say, I got that. I'll do that. I'll get this. Lord, send me to do that. What am I called to be as a steward, as a servant in your kingdom? Because souls are the only thing that matters anymore. You won't do it perfectly, but we better get in line to start doing it because that's the plumb line is to begin to be like Jesus. And the more we see the evidence of that in our lives, then we have assurance of our salvation. There is no assurance if the Spirit of God is not leading our life. I don't care what an apostate system has told people. The Bible's very clear. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's a clear sign of what we're doing in our lives and where we're following and who we're following and where we're going and what is going on in our hearts. What is motivating your life? What is leading your life? Who is on the throne of your life? Because you could be a blind guide leading blind leaders. 
and think you're okay when you're not. Listen to me. We need to know this before our physical body dies because it's appointed for men to die once and then comes that judgment. We need to know that it's not works. I better make this disclaimer really quick because some people will go, well, he just said that I need to. No, 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 no. I said you believe in Jesus just like this man, but then you bow down and you begin to worship. And if you do bow down and you truly believe, they will be evidence. There will be an afterglow in your life that looks like the Shekinah glory of God that begins to grow in your life because of the Spirit of God through the Word of God, because of the precious blood of Christ that has purchased us. There's going to be evidence in this courtroom that something has changed, that you've met the Lord of glory, and now you're going to stop walking in darkness and start walking in light. Yes, it starts with believing and receiving. But then as an act of your will, you have to bow down. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. I looked this up here a minute ago. I was thinking, and it's Proverbs 28.2. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. Many leaders everywhere. False shepherds. Many princes because of the transgressions of this land. But... Here's the contrast. A lot of Proverbs are written in parallelisms where they reinforce or they contrast the previous line. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Listen, the church is supposed to be the restraining power right now because of the Holy Spirit in us. And that we have the man of understanding, Christ, who come and died for us. But then when his spirit lives in us, he gives us understanding of what he's doing. And he asks us to get involved. And we go out and tell others. And the man of understanding, we have right prolonged in the society, right prolonged in our sphere of influence. And right is capitalized in the text because it's really righteousness. Right means right living before God, a heart that wants to be led by the Spirit and do what is right before God so that other people can see that there's a true and living God and they will want to know who He is and come to see Him and then come to believe in Him and then worship Him in spirit and truth. So, their unbelief keeps them blind, or they can believe. Listen, the whole Old Testament, the saints look forward. The Ecclesia look forward. The, the people of God look forward. Israel looked forward to the coming Messiah, and they believed by faith that God was going to provide a sacrifice. And how sad is it when He comes, and they're so blind that they become the hands and feet that deliver him to Rome so that he can be crucified. Now, make no mistake, nobody crucified Jesus. He died for us. He came for this purpose. This is why he came. But the actions of the people that are apostate delivered him to Rome to a system that killed the worst criminals by hanging them on a tree. Crucifixion. So, verse 1 of chapter 10, 
Now think about this for a minute. I, I, I got to stop for a second. Notice in, in, in chapter 8, woman caught in adultery. Jesus says to her, where are your condemners? Neither do I condemn you. Go sin no more. Notice these false shepherds that are in unbelief. What do they end up doing? They're picking up stones to throw them at Jesus. Then what happens? Then Jesus heals a blind man from birth, right? And then, and then, and then what happens? They cast him out. They cast him out of the synagogue because he's trying to tell them that Jesus is the Messiah, that he has to be from God, and they're looking for somebody from God. And then he tells them at the last line, therefore your sin remains. He didn't tell them to go and sin no more. He said, their sin remains. I'm not condemning you either, but now your sin remains because you will not believe that I am he. And no break. Listen, your sin remains most assuredly or, or verily, verily, he would say. Is that what it is? Verily, verily, King James. I say unto you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out and when he brings out his own sheep he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers jesus used this illustration but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. And of course, therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So notice again, we're still in the same context, same people, same place. We're still looking at the eyes being open and whether we're blind 
or whether we can see. See, because if you're still blind and you're looking for somebody to lead you and you follow some blind guides, some blind shepherds, some people that don't know the scriptures and they alter it to make it fit, make it pleasing, to make you come into the building, to make you want to feel all warm and cozy and have some emotions that make you feel like you're part of the family instead of really being part of the family, that's a thief and a robber that's stealing your soul from you. That's a blind guide. It's a liar. We want to meet the truth even when it hurts. Because if we're true Christians, if we're truly the children of God, then he is burning out the dross. That's part of the sanctification process. And we want him to change us from glory to glory. We want him to reveal to us those things that are still in our lives, in our hearts. And we want his power to deal with that sin as we follow him the light of the world. In fact, it's a light, but it's also a fire. And as you listen to it and you obey, it burns out the dross in your life and you go further and further in the path, onward and upward, in and out, finding pasture, doing the ministry. And you can do it safely without fear because Christ is with us. So, I didn't read 1 through 30, but really 1 through 30 is the culmination of that. We're going to deal with about 10 verses today, but I read some others for context to help us. Uh, I think it's sometimes best to read them in context. Uh, so let's look back at 10.1. As we see this clear contrast between these blind guides... As we see this clear contrast between these that are in unbelief and then Jesus presents himself clearly to them as the good shepherd. And see, they would know this. I'm not going to go to uh, Ezekiel 34 until next week, but you can read that as homework. Jeremiah 3 and 4, you can read it as homework. There's plenty of, of places that this is alluded to in the Old Testament where God has already called out the false teachers and so he does this constantly. He wants to do it in our life. He wants to do it in our churches. He wants to do it in our, uh, uh, whatever you're listening to on the AI. He wants you to know what a true teacher looks like. It's somebody that's laying down their life. That's why it's relationships. It's not just I'm listening to this, this person who is echoing something that he knows, and you don't even know well, who he's, what he's really doing, who he's hanging out with. You don't know his association. You don't know his life. That's why God has little bodies of Christ, little sheepfolds everywhere. And that's alluding to 16 because the sheepfold at this time, as he is reading and as we're looking at it, as he's presenting it, the sheepfold is only the nation of Israel. Listen, it's only the nation of Israel at this moment. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, what's he saying to them? And he's saying in an illustration, they don't understand it. Why? Because their eyes are blind. Because they don't have the Spirit of God. They're not looking to do the will of God. They're looking to keep their own power and their pomp and their prestige. And they're looking to block everybody out if they're not doing what they're doing. 
But the fact is, is they're blind and they're not doing what God was doing. So Jesus comes and he tells them this and he's telling you and me this, that if you come any other way except through the door, you're not the shepherd. You're not a true shepherd. But he's saying he is the shepherd. Why? Because he come. He's fulfilling prophecy. Blind, blind eyes are being opened. Death are hearing. He was born of a virgin birth. He was, he come, everything that he does is according to prophecy. Everything that he does is according to the Father. Everything that he does is because he was sent. Everything he does is because he was anointed. Everything he does is led by the Holy Spirit. Everything that he's doing means that he's coming through the door. Listen, it's very important that we understand this. So he really, he really becomes the shepherd, but he's also the door because he's God, very God. He's fulfilling prophecies. Some 315 prophecies he fulfills. And he come and he did that. He come and he didn't try. And they're trying to enter some other way. Let me see if I can find some words here. I like words. Enter. Enter, of course, is arise. It means to enter literally or figuratively, but it means to arise. But listen to what it means. It means to go or to come in through. And I like that because that's where we're going to get. Once we come to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and we become part of the flock, it's, we're called to go in and out. Verse 9. Freely, safely, with rest, with peace. I was going to start a ministry years ago called the In-N-Out. In California, they got the In-N-Out Burgers. Over here we got McDonald's, but there they got the In-N-Out burgers, and they're actually really good. I, I've ate them before, but I was always going to do a ministry called the In-N-Out because of this verse and because of that's what we're supposed to do. Be in Christ and go out and tell others about Christ. So it's the In-N-Out ministry of reconciliation of souls. But I, I'm not going to start no ministry because why would I start a ministry when God's already started a ministry and the only one that we need, the ministry of reconciliation, and it's called the church it's called the sheep coming and being found because of the Holy Spirit. And then they all come into one fold. Verse 16, he says, I have sheep of, an, uh, of another flock. And they all have one shepherd. So everybody comes in, and he's the shepherd. We're going to see in, in a minute. But right now, he's just, the, he's just coming. Well, we're seeing it right now. He comes as the shepherd. And where is he coming? Let me, let me tell you what's going on. Because you have to go and allude to their culture. Because he's speaking to them in words that they know because of their culture. Now, I, I can explain this in a little way. What they have was what's called city sheepfolds. Plenty of shepherds. If you remember back when, when they were, went down to Egypt, pharaohs and them hated. They despised shepherds, but that's what they did. They were people who tended animals. But in the city, there's what's called city sheepfolds. And the only way I can explain this to you is about what I see all the time. If you see a house that's been raised and the foundation is still there. Like you got a four-foot wall all the way around, and there's one doorway. And, and that's what a city sheepfold looked like. But it would be rocks all piled up. It's a, perfectly, it's a perfect place where all the sheep would be pinned in there. And what happened is, is the shepherds would go out with their sheep, and they would lead them around. And we're going to see in a minute. I'll show you a good shepherd. You'd lead them around, and you find good green pasture for them. You find waters that are still so that they can stick their head in and drink and not get carried away by the monsoons and the water moving too fast by every wind of doctrine. And, so, and then when it would start to get a little dark, they would bring them back into the city. 
and they would go to what was called a city sheepfold, and there would be a porter there. Here it's called a doorkeeper. It's a porter, and they would say, hey, John, how you doing tonight? Here's my sheep. Take care of them until morning. I'm going to go get some Z's. I'll be back. That's our vernacular. And they would leave them there, and you would have all of these sheep in there, like from six, eight, ten different shepherds. They're all in the same place together, right? Mingling, the marketplace, if you will, as we as sheep. And then in the morning, he'd come out and go, hey, Joe, I'm punching the time clock. And he'd punch the time clock and he'd go. And as soon as his sheep heard his voice, they would separate from the rest of the flocks. And they would come over to the door where the doorkeeper would let him step up and lead his sheep out. And they would follow him wherever he went because they knew that he was going to provide perfectly for them. He knew, they knew from experience of walking with them daily and building a relationship that he was going to take care of them. And my God will supply for all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But you have to be following the true shepherd. You can't blame everything and, and, and shame everything and game everything and pretend everything and say, what's going on? God doesn't love me. My shepherd's not good. No, you're not listening to the shepherd's voice. You're doing what you want to do, making up your own type of religion. You're following your own leaders. And we're in danger of hurting other people's lives when we do that. Instead of encouraging people to have a personal love relationship with the shepherd, to get in the word, prayer, and fellowship, to, to articulate his voice and be led by the Spirit of God, which is what we should do. Because all we are are under rowers, or we're, we're shepherds with a small S that try to help people. That's why Paul said, follow me while I follow Jesus. But make sure you're following Jesus, because that was Paul's heart. He was following Jesus. And he didn't want anybody to follow him. He said, if an angel of light or anybody else comes to you with a different gospel, let them be a curse, anathema. He said, if we or an angel of light, anyone comes with a different gospel. And yet we put up with it. He says, who has bewitched you so soon? Foolish Galatians. Yet the church puts up with it. Listen to me. You're not going to be able to get to the throne. I'm not going to be able to get to the throne and, and, and look into his eyes and go, well, one of the shepherds told me, one of the which can mean pastor anyway, by the way, one of the leaders, one of the elders, one of the blind guides told me, and so I was listening to him. And he's like, my sheep hear my voice. Would you listen for my voice? It's got a distinct sound. It's always truth. It's got a distinct look. It's always light. Never darkness. Was you listening for that? Or was you trying to please your own dark heart? Listen, it's so important that we understand that you cannot enter, go in or come out any other way. And so what happens first? Christ comes to prove that he is the shepherd. Once he comes, now he can prove, I can lead you where you're supposed to go. I know all truth because I am truth. So what's he talking about? I'm following the word of God, the truth of God, what's always been said about God. I came down to become your kinsman redeemer because you have lost your inheritance in the first false shepherd, Adam, who didn't protect his bride. 
He becomes the first. I, he's a prophet, yes, but he became a bad prophet because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. I'm not picking on Adam. I don't want to have to fight with him at fisticuffs when we get to heaven. That's not my point. But because of Adam's, we are all confined under sin because none of us can properly present Jesus perfectly, but the Holy Spirit can. Listen, the Holy Spirit can. That's why he's here, convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. I think it's very interesting that, you know where the first mention of door is? See, because the law of first mention is a great place to look when you're talking about things. The first mention of door is in Genesis 4, 6, and 7, where God is chastising Cain, saying, why are you so downcast? Why are you so angry in your countenance? If you do well... It'll be good for you. But if not, sin is crouching at your door. That's the first usage. Because, see, if we'll listen to the light of the word, if we'll follow the good shepherd, if we'll listen to what God is saying in his truth, and our hearts are surrendered, even when we mess up, he's already paid for all of our sin. But if we don't, and we follow false shepherds, lying shepherds, follow our, the, the desires of our own heart, then what happens? Sin is crouching at our door, and its desire is to rule over you. But you're supposed to rule over it by choice, by choosing to be led by the Spirit, because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. The Spirit's never going to lead us into darkness. The Spirit's never going to lead us into any other door except for Jesus. And the Spirit knows who the porter is. And that's what we're seeing here. Jesus fulfills Scripture. He becomes flesh and blood. And as flesh and blood, now He can be our kinsman. He's flesh like us. God took on flesh. He became flesh. He pitched His tent among us. Right? So now He's able. Now He first has to live a perfect life. Now that He's kinsman, He can live a perfect life. Anybody that lives a perfect life according to the law can redeem you. If you live a perfect life according to the law, you don't need a redeemer. But nobody can because of our sin nature. Jesus didn't have Adam as a father. He had the Father in heaven as his father. So he didn't inherit the sin nature that you and I have. So he was able to be tempted in all things and yet without sin. He's able to aid those who are tempted and come to our help and protect us. And so he comes now with this perfect life, perfect blood, perfect sacrifice, perfect love. He's got a perfect offering before God, and God receives it. And if you'll believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, the evidence is you're walking it out. Here's the evidence. I'm confessing it. I'm agreeing. I know it. I'm learning it. I'm becoming relational with it. And here I go. Here's my salvation lived out in front of you. And I can show you my faith by my works. Not perfect works, but I'm endeavoring to do what Christ called us to do finding out what the will of the Lord is, walking circumspectly in it, confessing our sins daily. So now it's perfect blood. And he makes a perfect sacrifice for us. He becomes the shepherd because he's following what the door said, what the father said, who opened the door and anointed him to come as the Mashiach of God, the Messiah of God, the anointed, the Christ. 
And he's presenting his resume, if you will, to these blind teachers who are not going to understand because they're so far away from God. They have no spiritual eyes to understand that he's saying, I'm fulfilling scripture as we stand here. That makes me the shepherd and the porter is going to let me in. Who's the porter? The Holy Spirit. It's the spirit that hovered over the water. It's the spirit. God is spirit. So we'll see that the port of the doorkeeper is really the spirit of God. So now we have the whole world. This is really the, the, the nation of Israel. But the sheepfold becomes bigger. It becomes the whole world. And when Jesus comes, the Holy Spirit is sent into the world to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. We'll get to that. It's chapter 16. And he convicts everybody of sin and righteousness and judgment. And if you hear that voice and you confess and believe in Jesus, then he comes and lives in your heart. And then you're free to go in and out. You come in, you're in Jesus, you come to hear, and you go out to tell others because you're a sheep and his pastor, and you want others to come and be reconciled to God, and you become ministers of reconciliation. This is what the simple gospel is, yet we've been handed in many ways apostasy. We've been handed a false gospel that talks about dress clothes, that talks about people that, 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 oh, we don't want them in here, that talks about psychology, that talks about everything in the world except for surrendering, believing, and worshiping God. And when you do, a life changes. So Jesus says, if you come in any other way, enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Anybody that comes with any other gospel is a part of a thief and a robber. They're part of Antichrist system. They're part of what the devil is doing. If a person is not teaching you the word of God, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, we're going to see in a minute that his true sheep will flee. That's why I tell you all the time, if you're sitting in Andy Stanley's church and you're not flipping over chairs and getting out of there, then you're not his sheep. I feel terrible for the, the Branch Davidians and all the people that died down there with David Koresh. And you can go, look what the government did. No, look what the devil did. Look what they did. They didn't believe the truth. They wouldn't listen to the truth. And they died. Everybody's going to die that doesn't listen to truth. It's very sad. I'm not picking on anybody. But they had the truth before them. And the Bible says nowhere that here we're going to build this, we're going to store up some guns, and all you women sleep upstairs with me, and you men stay downstairs and guard the fort. I'll take care of the women. I mean, if you have the truth before you, you should know what darkness looks like. And he says right here that they'll in no way follow a stranger, but they'll flee when he comes. And there's people that will give testimony that they fled from the Branch Davidians because it wasn't true. It's only a step off of... Uh, what was it, Jehovah Witnesses? I think that's where it came from. Originally, uh, the lady that came out of the Jehovah Witnesses and started some movement, and then he, the Davidians, I'm sorry, off base, let's get back. Because Jesus is proving that he is the shepherd. He's the one that takes care of, listen what shepherd means. Um, well, sheepfold is those something that walks forward, especially sheep. So in other words, you're not supposed to be going backward, people. We're never supposed to go backward. Sheep don't go backward. They always go forward. They're always following the shepherd, being led. Here, in, here we herd cattle here in America. In the West, we herd everything. Over there, they steal 
lead sheep out. They still lead them. They don't hurt them. Sometimes they use dogs too like we do, but they lead them. And there's a relationship. They still lead them out. What was I looking for? Yeah, we're gone. So Jesus is the shepherd. He comes to the door. The door is a portal or entrance or opening. He comes to the door. Talking of city sheepfolds, there's a guy standing there, which is the Holy Spirit in this cast of door kept. But right now, what is it? Revelation 3.20. Jesus, a gentleman, never with force. Truth knocking at the door. Light of the world knocking at the door. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hear my voice and open the door... Invite him in. He's inviting us by knocking to come into heaven. He's the way out of this world, the way out of your death, the way out of your sin nature, to be delivered from the sin nature, and the way into heaven. How do we get to heaven if we don't follow him? Oh, I believe in Jesus. Are you following him? Where's he at? Do you know him? Where's he going? What's he doing? What's your relationship with him? Where's he seated at? See, these are questions. How do I get there? I could be following a blind leader. I could be following something that tickles my ears instead of following the true shepherd of the sheep. The door, it's an opening. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. It's an invitation to intimate fellowship. In the culture, they didn't have silverware. It wasn't so clean like we do. Everybody eats together. You only ate with your familiar friends or your family because you didn't have toilet paper. I've told you this before. It might sound crazy, but it's true. And you use one hand for one thing. They still do it in other countries. And the other hand, you don't use for those things. They didn't have sanitation departments. They didn't have toilets. But we have cleaned up everything, and now we're trying to look at it through the lens of our society instead of the Holy Spirit leading us in the spiritual realm to understand what God is doing. Man shall not live by bread alone, by the physical, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus is the shepherd. He's the only good shepherd. All the rest of the shepherds, they're a mess unless they're leading you to follow Jesus. And if you climb up, if a shepherd comes in any other way than the door, he's a false shepherd. And, of course, climbs is the same word. It means to go up or arise, ascend, to come up to anything other than the door, the closure, the opening, the gate. And, and you know, I want you to see that the Old Testament... Oh, my goodness. Here we go. I want you to see that in the Old Testament, they understood who they were waiting for at one time. Let's look at Psalms 23. It's the, in my opinion, the most memorized, the most rehearsed, the most printed, the most talked about. See, the church always thinks that John 3.16 is, but the Jewish nation doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah. So Psalms 23, they're still waiting for the Lord to be their shepherd. They're still waiting for the Messiah. 
And so Psalms 23 becomes the most used. And I like this because we're going to be talking about shepherds. And I want you to see that even David, who was a sinner, David, who was a king. David, what was he first? 16-year-old ruddy-head boy, what was he first? He was a shepherd. He learned shepherding sheep how to become a king. Jesus comes to be a shepherd, and then he's made a king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but he's the shepherd of the sheep. David is a type. David means beloved. Christ is love. He's God. God is love. So when you look at Psalms 23, I love this Psalms, by the way. It's the first passage I ever memorized in my life. Um, and listen to David's heart. Listen, you got to know this, though, first, that David, the younger of the sons, when Samuel comes to anoint him as king, he was the one out with the sheep, and all of his older brothers were the ones at war. And David was the ruddy-headed, red-headed boy that was off, and they had to send to get him because the youngest was doing the work. Listen to me. David knew what it meant to trust God. Remember when Saul says, here, put on my armor, but David and Goliath, we're going to see it. It's the valley of the shadow of death. Goliath, a certain death is in the valley. We're all going to die. We're born to die. The wages of sin is death. Goliath is that death but jesus cut his head off took his power took his penalty took the presence took everything the same way david comes and enacts it god hides it in the old testament it's not a cartoon he took the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and cut the head cut the power off of death and death has no victory death has no sting anymore if you're in christ but david learned to trust god when he was tending sheep and Saul says, here, put on my armor. And that's what the world tells you. Here, put on this, put on this, put on that, put on this. I had, a, I had a PhD tell me the other day that I was a disappointment. I smiled at him as I put his Andy Stanley book in my pocket. Because he's, a, he's sadly going to go to hell if he doesn't repent. And I prayed for him to repent. Because he goes to church and he's a PhD. I, ca I call that permanent head damage. PhD, it's permanent head damage, power damage, form of godliness, but denying the power. See, if you think it's in your intelligentsia or what you think you can do, you've missed the cross. Listen, it's, it's sad. It's very sad. I, I pleaded with him. I give him four different texts, but they believe love is love instead of God is love. They believe that we just love everybody and you accept them where they're at, and that's not repentance. And it's just not the gospel. And when you give somebody the gospel, even apologetically, and I became the disappointment to him. And all my thoughts were, was, you can accept a sinner, a homosexual in this case, because that's where this is all going to, LGBTQ, into your church without them repenting, but you cannot accept another Christian that believes differently. They become a disappointment to you. And we serve the same God. Are you sure? I'm the disappointment when Christ died for sin and the only way into heaven is to repent, to turn. See, there's a big problem there. Anyway, so 
Make sure you know what you believe and which shepherd you're following because God doesn't hate sinners. He hates sin. And he died for sin. He gave his life for sin so that we would recognize it, wake up and turn from it and tell other people to repent of it. And that's the only way to be reconciled to God. So David, when he's told by the world to put on their armor, that's what that's talking about. See, I put on the armor of God, Ephesians 6. I put on the person of Christ. I put on truth. I put on light. And I follow the shepherd the best I can, even though I fall short. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Listen to me. King Saul said, here, David, take my armor. See, who's Saul? He represents the other kingdom. There's two kingdoms. Here's the valley of the shadow of death. There's two kingdoms. And they want you to join one of the sides, either the Philistines or Israel. But I'm joining Jesus. I'm with David. And David says, no, your armor hasn't been tested. He put it on. Don't get me wrong. We all want to put it on. We want to feel good. We want to follow the American dream. We want to do like everybody else is doing. Let me put that on. Now I'm in my own esteem. He goes, wait a minute. It doesn't fit. It hasn't been tested. And he says, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I remember when I was tending sheep, a bear came and I killed it because of the Lord. And, and then a lion come and I grabbed it by its beard and I was able to defend the sheep and killed it. And the same way with this Philistine who comes and taunts the armies of the living God of Israel, I'll go at him and kill him by the power of God. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. But he goes out in faith with God. And he gets five smooth stones. And he goes out and he hits him in the head with one of them. Boom. And then he cuts his head off with his own sword. If that's not a picture of the cross of Calvary, I don't know what is. So that's because that's, that's you learn to be a shepherd. And then God anointed him to become king. And guess what? Saul knew it. Saul, a type of Satan in this instance, who's going to end up having the spirit of God taken from him, chucks spears at him tries to kill David. Then he tries to kill his own son even because he says, you son of a harlot or something. Why, why are you going to let, you know David's going to be king? And he's always trying to kill the works of David, which is the type of Christ. That's what Satan keeps trying to do. He wants you to follow him instead of follow Christ. Notice all the people that followed David was disgruntled in debt. That's funny when you start looking at it. All of his mighty men, they were hiding in caves with him, and they were hiding from the devil. They were keeping away from Saul, but they were in one flock, and they were all learning to battle and to fight and to trust in God instead of their own strength. They were some mighty men. They would, one of them killed like 5,000 men or something. I mean, fought for so long, his sword glued to his hand, he couldn't open his hand. Ain't that way we wanted to know the Word of God, that it's so tight in our hand that the Word of God, faith, directs us. I don't even know why we're there. I was trying to do Psalms 23. But this is David's heart. Do you understand David's heart who becomes king of Israel? He still blows it. He breaks every commandment in one night on a roof at a high place with his eyes in the wrong place. And God puts away his sin and allows him to go on being king. 
But listen to David's heart. This is what he knew because he knew as a shepherd that he couldn't walk away from God. And this is what he writes about in Psalms 23 about God being his shepherd. The Lord, Jehovah, the self-existing one, is my shepherd. And shepherd means one who tends the flock, one who pastors the flock or feeds the flock. Isn't that what Jesus told to Peter when he restored him in John uh, 21? Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Tend my lambs. That's all we're called to do is feed them the word of God. It means, a shepherd means to graze them. He says, the Lord is my herdsman. Uh, he's my friend. And it can mean pastor even in the Hebrew. I shall not want. Lacks for nothing. I shall not fail is another way that that could be said. Because he knows his strength is in the Lord. And that the Lord called him. The Lord anointed him. The Lord put him there. I'm, if you're walking in the righteousness of Christ, you will not fail. I shall not want. Why? Because I can be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We didn't bring anything into this world, and it's certain that we're not going to take anything with us other than souls. I shall not want because he satisfies my soul. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Listen, the word makes. Listen, it's a choice. Because he's so good, because he's my shepherd, because I don't need to want for anything, because he provides for all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, this kind of love compels me. That's the connotation here, to lay down, to follow him. It's not a force because he doesn't force anything. The devil wants to make you with fear. The devil wants to make you with bondage. The devil wants to make you with debt. The devil wants to make you with lust and false desires and the sin nature. God, because of his goodness, it just makes me want to curl up next to him with the Bible and talk to him. Because I know he's going to provide. Makes me to lie down where? Green pastures. What sheep does not want to eat green pastures? You should see my horses look at me when I let them out and I don't give them no hay. They're like, hey, dude, there's no hay out here. It's funny. But he makes you to lie down in places you're supposed to. You want to lie down. You want to be in the word of God. And it actually means to fall down, to worship, to fall on your face before him. Make to rest. Green pastures is tender grass. It's in his provision is the connotation. It's fresh grass. It's always right. It's always best. Even when it hurts, it's always best. It's the best food you can get if you understand what the shepherd's doing. Washing and cleansing you, purifying you, preparing you as a bride to be presented to him at the wedding supper of the lamb. Because that's the finality of the kinsman redeemer. When you're married back into the father's house. At the conclusion of all of it. After the rapture of the church. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Oh, so leads me beside still waters first. Leads, there's two different leads here and there are two different words. This one here leads means, uh, it actually means <laughs> uh, to run with a sparkle. To flow. 
So it's water that you can still see the sparkle of the sun on it. Listen, it, it, it's, it's really speaking of the Holy Spirit, and, the, and you can see the sun because Jesus is the Spirit. Listen to me. It, 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 this is, he's leading you to water that is good for you, that's flowing nicely, but not out of control because sheep are stupid. Did I tell you guys sheep are stupid? Maybe I didn't. Maybe you already knew sheep were stupid. They can get lost by going behind the barn. They don't know where the shepherd's at. Bah, where are you at? Bah, I was following myself and I got lost back here. Bah, I just stepped in something and it hurts. Bah, oh, there you are. Here I am. But see, sheep are stupid. And in, this, in the east, they have these huge monsoons that would come, rains. And then all of a sudden, the water's gushing and, and, and coming down the hill so fast. And, and they stick their head in that water if they ain't listening to the shepherd. And then their whole, their whole body fills up with water. Uh, and, and then it gets sucked into the tundra, uh, the, the current of all the many waters of the world. And all of a sudden, they're living out there and they're floating down and they're dying. Instead of drinking from still waters where they can have peace and rest and they're listening to the shepherd so he leads me beside the still waters you can choose to drink anytime you want and get involved peaceful quiet comfortable You have the notion here of, of care and protection and provision with grass and water perfectly from God. He restores my soul. This is David writing about the Lord of glory, who's his shepherd. He knew it in the Old Testament by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I had a lady tell me the other day that man wrote the Bible. I'm like, no! They might have put their hand on the paper, but it's all written by inspiration of God. But she was mad. She was mad that it was all man-centered. I said, it's not man-centered, it's God-centered. For man not to have to die because they're man-centered in their sin. But people don't want to listen, and I can't make them listen. All I can do is present the light of the world. Truth. He restores my soul. Guess what it means? To turn back. It means to return to the starting point. Where's that at? Walking with God daily in the garden. Oh, it all started there with your inheritance. He restores my soul. He converts. He delivers. Here, I, this is what I like because I'm from Kentucky. It means to fetch home again. That's what it means. It literally is written in is to fetch home again. Isn't that cool? That you, he's going to fetch home again your soul? He's a good old country boy, isn't he? I'm teasing. He's God, very God. He's not a country boy. It means to, to retrieve, to refresh, to reassure, to deliver, to convert your soul. And it means a breathing creature or your appetite, your desire to, ref to breathe in you again as he did in Adam in Genesis 2, 7. And he breathed, he took the dust and, 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 and formed man and he breathed in him and he became a life-giving spirit. 
a man, a soul. And it's really your mind, will, and emotions. And it changes your appetites. It changes your desires when He restores you, when He converts you. He causes you to return to dependency upon Him in prayer. He causes us to want to come and lie down and trust Him for the bread of life, for the light of the world, to be a good shepherd. Man, who doesn't want that? That's why it's not man-centered. Man is supposed to be protecting his bride. It's protection. It's provision. It's amazing to me when you look at it and see what God has done with the entire marriage and family and how the devil has destroyed it. The very first institution ever, marriage. The second, family. So that you can learn everything you need to know for life and godliness. And that's why you have to go to Romans 10, 9, and 10 and become betrothed to Christ once again in order to be redeemed and receive breath and have your soul restored. And you promise that you will. And you both say, I will, I will. Or actually it's I do because the word know and agree there is I do. There has to be a marriage ceremony. We cannot remain married to the world. And we see that's what God says about these false shepherds. They're harlots. They've married the world. They teach people to marry the world. And God divorced Israel. And that's the thing we're looking at right now. But David's heart, David's heart knew who to trust in. He restores my soul. He leads once again, me in the paths of righteousness because he wants to. No, for his name's sake. He leads me. It's a different word. It means to guide. It implies transport, to govern, to straighten, to make your path straight. In paths of righteousness, it's a track, it's a way. He is the way. That's in, in the way of righteousness. And righteousness means right living before God. It means a straightness. It means natural, moral, and legal that this is the right thing to do. That's what David's saying. This is the right thing to do. When you look at the Word of God, He's leading me in the natural thing, the moral thing, the legal thing to do that's just for everybody. I'm amazed by it when I look at it. Because it says so much more than just reading black and white words on a page. For his name's sake. Remember name? It's a, it's a mark or a memorial of individuality. But it means his authority, his character, his nature, his will. And his sake means his purpose. On account of his intent of what he's doing. Delivering souls back into his family. It's his namesake. I don't know if you've been reading through with this, but you know, when you see the children of Israel grumbling in the wilderness and Moses and Aaron get on their face and say, don't do that. Then the nations are here. If you kill all of them, the nations are here that you weren't capable. You brought them out of Egypt, but you weren't capable of getting them into the promised land and your name. Please don't do that. And they just keep getting on their face for the people instead of getting mad at them. Although he did strike the rock twice, didn't he? It's his namesake. He's doing this because this is what he's doing. Because of his great love, he wants to bring us into his family and create hearts and lives that voluntarily, without force, 
when they see his great love, they want to love him. And then it says, Yea, though I walk, that's how you're living, through, you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. There's a valley. All of us are born death. It's the shade of death. It's a grave. And it actually, actually says the gates of darkness. See, we're walking through this dark world. We've had death put up on us. All of us, the wages of sin is death. And yea, though we're walking through it, we don't have to fear any evil. I will fear no evil. See that choice? Listen to the choice. If the Lord is your shepherd, you don't have to fear any evil. That's the whole plan out there is for you to fear and do what they want. But you really need to learn to fear God. Fear and no evil means to morally revere it. You're giving reverence to evil instead of the reverence due to God. I'm not going to revere it. And evil is, of course, bad. It's evil. It's adversity. It's wickedness. It's trouble. It's wretchedness. It's wrong living as opposed to righteous living. But why? Why do I have to fear no evil? Because you are with me. The Lord is with me. My shepherd's with me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look, David knew all of this. He writes this amazing psalm about how he can go in and out to battle. About how he can rule the people because he's trusting in God. You are with me. Is God with you? Is he in you? What's he doing with you? Uh-oh, David knows your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't that interesting? As a shepherd, your rod and your staff, the rod is a branch. Jesus just happens to be the branch of Jesse. It's one of his names. It's one of his messianic names. A stick for punishing. Uh-oh. Spare the rod, spoil the child. It's a stick for punishing, for fighting, and for walking, but it also is used for correction and for ruling. That's what the rod is. And a staff, it's just for support. This is comfort. Comfort. If you, are, if you are walking in the wrong direction and on your way to hell, and God uses His rod to correct you, doesn't that comfort you? That's what the Holy Spirit does. So the rod actually becomes like a type of the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God becomes the staff that helps us walk rightly because we see the truth. Rod and staff, they represent the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And they give you comfort. They console you. And they cause you to repent and turn the other way. You prepare. This is what the good shepherd does. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The shepherd. The one who leads you. Listen. He leads you beside still waters. He leads you into pastures, green pastures. There's protection. There's provision. But in the preparing, he's arranging and setting in order the battle. He's furnishing the battle. He's ordaining the battle. Everything that comes on that table. This is not talking about food. This is talking about all the trials and testings and battles as you walk. God's already allowed that table. And why? So you'll look to him. He's with you. You'll look to him for wisdom. How do I deal with this that's on the table now? How do I deal with this that's on the table now? How do, where do I turn? What's the wisdom? What's the discernment? Because my, I, my enemy's all around. Remember Jesus said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves? See, he didn't take us out of the world. He left us in the world to tell others. But we hear his voice and we come out 
And then he leaves us in the midst of wolves with robbers and thieves and liars. And he's prepared this table where he knows what we're going to go on tomorrow. And he's prepared us to deal with it. He prepares that table in the midst of our enemies. He sets the battle and he furnishes it. The implication is a meal, but it's really eating every good thing that purifies and sanctifies you. Because every green thing is not good food. Every nice thing is not what we need sometimes. It'll cause you to pray so you know how to deal with the things that are on your table. And there are enemies in front of us, in our sight. But we guess what? They see God protecting us. Isn't that what the picture you have when you read the book of Job? Where you been? Oh, going to and fro. Have you considered my servant Job? Well, you protect him. Well, it's a big deal. I can't do nothing to him. Okay, I'll give you permission. But you can't kill him. Can't touch his body. Kills everything he has except for his wife. Family, buildings. He comes to him again. He says, okay, you can touch his body. You can afflict him. Can't kill him. Presence of his enemies. See, we're indestructible until God's finished with us. Indestructible. If you're in the hands of the shepherd, if you're crying out to him and you're asking him, you're looking to be led by the Spirit of God into the Word of God for the glory of God, and you're crying out to him. There's some work involved in this because the flesh is still there and you got to kick it in the face and put it in the grave and be crucified with Christ and do God's will of reconciliation of souls, not our will. If you're doing your will, you become part of the thieves and the robbers. Learn how to do it. That's what we're learning. We're learning endurance. We're running with endurance. We're learning how to walk this out. You anoint my head with oil. This is what he's saying. David, he was anointed. He was called. He anointed his head. His head is his power. Listen, head's always speaking of power. But listen to what the anoint means. Listen to this. This is so cool. If you, want to, if you want to make sure the rest of what I was talking about was true, listen to me. God anointed it. God anoints you for a specific reason. You're called and called to the body for a specific thing. Anoint means to take away the ashes. Um, it means to remove the fat and the ashes from the sacrifice. To burn it up with fire. Listen to me. Because that's what we are. Living sacrifices. And he's burning out the dross. He's burning out everything as we lay our lives down. And he anoints us for it. He's setting it up in the presence of our enemies. He allows it. He's preparing that table. And when we look to him, it burns up and we die to self. And then the fruit of love is growing, which looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he burns out the dross until he continues like the refiner's fire, moving out the impurities until he can look into that pot, that cauldron with all that pure gold in it, which stands for deity, and all he sees is his own face. 
it's so clear, just like the sparkling of the sun shining on the water, that, that, that is reflection of him, the sun. My cup runs over. Oil, speaking of the Holy Spirit, oil, the calling. My cup runs over. It's a vessel, it's a container, and it speaks of satisfaction. Being satisfied. You satisfy my soul. You satisfy my soul. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It means God's favor. Goodness is his favor. It's his grace. It's his joy. It's his kindness. Mercy is his kindness, but it's also his reproof, and it's also beauty, and he brings beauty from those ashes. You're going through the trial. You're going through the battle. He's setting the table in the presence of your enemies, and, and you're crying out to him, and he burns it out, and he brings beauty to you. He's the, he's the, beautiful, he's the one that's beautiful. He brings beauty from those ashes that you go through. And you get to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life. Which dwell means to sit down, to abide, continue, and to remain, and to settle in. Because now you've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus, by our kinsman redeemer. And it's your house now. It's your inheritance. You get to go out and share it with others. If you do it according to the Holy Spirit, who is the executor of the estate. The Holy Spirit is handing out. He happens to be the porter, the doorkeeper that comes and wakes you up. And if you listen, then he leads you and guides you and teaches you all about the shepherd. And he directs you by the word of God to the door who is the shepherd. And we go back to John 10 and we'll try to finish up here. John 10, you can't come any other way. The shepherd came in, he fulfilled scripture and everything that he did. He come in on what we call Palm Sunday. It's the triumphal entry. It was the 10th of Nisan, according to the Passover festival. We're getting ready to talk about that in a few weeks on Resurrection Sunday. They watched him for a, a, a week. They inspected him. They tested him. They questioned him. They found no blemishes or spots. And then they crucified him at twilight, just like you would the Passover lamb. Jesus comes and fulfills all of that to prove that he is the shepherd that came through the door that was sent by the Father. And then verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens, 10-3, and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name because he knows us and we follow him and he leads them out. Out of your sin nature, out of this world, out of the sheepfold of, 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 of uh, uh, the other people. That's what he's trying to do, but these blind people can't hear it. He just did it to the man that was born blind, knew he had issues, knew he couldn't see. And so Jesus comes and he leads us out. And it, we're talking about the nation of Israel here. Again, 116 is going to tell us that he has other sheep that he will also bring, and there'll be one flock and one shepherd. And that's referring when the gospel goes out to the Gentiles. Remember, we've seen the blind man last week. We've seen Paul, Saul, 
on the road to Damascus, and he said, I will show him what things he must suffer. I'm going to send him to the Gentiles and to kings uh, and uh, somebody else. My brain's failing me. But he said, I'll show him how many things he'll suffer. So the gospel is first to the Jew and then to the Greek or to the Gentile. And that's the way Jesus brought it. But when the Jews reject it, it goes to the Gentile. And we talked about it last week. Their blindness is in part for our sake. The other part is they're reaping what they sow. Are you following him? And when he brings out his own sheep, verse 4, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. They're in the same way with him is what follow means. For they know his voice. It's, it's I do right there. They know. They understand his voice. Are you learning to articulate and learn his voice? Quit looking at everybody else. Quit looking at all the other things and learn the word of God. Get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Learn to know what truth is. And then you recognize the lie. The problem is, is we take and we put ourselves on the throne. We become our own shepherd. And we say, I like that guy and that guy. And now I'm mad at all these people. And we start looking at everybody else. And they don't do what we want them to do. So now we become king on our own throne. And they're all the reason I don't live for Jesus. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell. You don't live for Jesus because you hate God. And you don't want to change your life and surrender to him. That's the simple gospel. But Christ has come and laid down his life for his friends. And all you have to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. There's no no, Lord. If he's Lord of all, do you know him? It's not a prayer. Listen to me. That's why I don't do altar calls. Some people get really irritated at me with that. I don't see an altar in the New Testament except in your heart. If you want to do an altar call, let him call your heart, surrender your heart, worship him, and get up and go walk it out. That's the altar. Let him alter your life instead of continuing to live the same way day in and day out, and say, I said a prayer, that's apostasy. That's as bad as casting someone out of the synagogue because you didn't like what he's telling you about the Messiah. To think we're okay because we said one prayer when he said my house should be a house of prayer to all nations. Speaking again of 1016. Listen, verse 5, yet... There's a contrast. They will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is in you and knows the heart of God, he certainly knows the voice of God. He certainly knows the truth of God. And if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you're not going to listen to a stranger for very long. Now, you can get caught up and follow a strange doctrine for a minute. You can follow something. You can go, man, I got, oh, wait a minute. What did he just say? Wait a minute. And he's doubling down on that? He's not going to back up off of that? Oh, wait a minute. That's a stranger there. He's not teaching the Word of God. He's trying to be lifted up by men. He's trying to receive some accolades down here. He's trying to become famous. He's writing books. I already got my book. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what you guys got. I don't need no other book. I am not picking on you guys that want to write books. I was going to write one once. It was called Rebel Without a Clue, because that's who we are, rebels without a clue. Even when we're saved, we don't have a clue unless it's Jesus. He's not just a clue, but he's the answer. 
and we need to get a clue. By no means follow. Listen, when the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and you're no longer blind spiritually and you can hear His voice, you're not going to follow a stranger. That's your flesh. When you say, well, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to live over here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, that's your flesh leading you. It's not truth. It's not light. It's not the shepherd. You will never walk in darkness following the shepherd. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You won't follow a stranger. What is a stranger? Let's look. Stranger is, it means another from a word different. It means foreign or hostile or alien. But what do they do? They flee. They run away from. It implies that you escape from them. And it says he wrote, uh, Jesus used this parable. My King James says illustration, but it was a parable that is a spiritual truth laid aside a story that's not true, but fit the culture. It's something laid alongside of to help you understand that. Para means alongside and a pithy story, but they did not understand. There's the gnosko. They did not gnosko the things which he spoke to them. Why? Because they're blind. He's telling them it. He's already said it, and they don't believe in him. And the only way to have your spiritual eyes open and spiritually discern the scripture is to believe in the Jesus of the Bible, not some other Jesus, not some apostate Jesus, not some weak, inept Jesus, but the spirit, or excuse me, the, the Jesus of the Bible that has came, and he is the shepherd. He's the door. He's getting ready to tell us. They don't have spiritual eyes because they've hardened their hearts and they're rejecting Jesus and they're following their own little form of religion to their own peril. And it really is a picture of blindness because it's spiritual understanding, it's, it's spiritual hearing, um, and they're not his sheep, so they didn't come out. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't later wake up. But at that moment, they're dead asleep and they don't understand what he's saying to them. Yet he's speaking specifically to the same people that he told their sin remains, that he told they were, they say, are we blind also? He said, yeah, yeah, your sin remains because your spiritual eyes haven't been opened. You can only be open when you believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Now, listen, you're going to say, oh, well, he hadn't died yet. That's true. But do you believe he's the Messiah? The Samaritan woman got belie believed. The, the resurrection, again, is not the apostate teaching that you hear today. The resurrection is evidence that he was, that God received his payment. It has to be the central theme to prove that he is the shepherd, to prove that he is the door, to prove that he is the Messiah. But it's believing in him. It's a person, the truth, the one God sent that brings you to salvation. And then there's evidence that he was. He fulfilled the scriptures. Believing is what you're saved by. Resurrection is evidence. That's why I get so mad with Easter. And I call it Resurrection Sunday. Easter comes from Ishtar, which is a pagan fertility god. Bunny rabbits don't lay eggs. 
They just don't. They lay bunnies. That simple. But Ishtar, a fertility god, can lead you astray because it's a thief and a robber. It's a liar. And there's a whole lot of things you can mess up, but you don't want to mess up the evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. That he got up out of the grave. He defeated death. Therefore, you and I can rise in the resurrection. That's the evidence we need. That's the faith we're given. That's the hope. As we go through this table that's prepared before us, is that we're going to see him face to face and we'll bow down and we'll lay our crowns. And you can have more than one crown. So if you hear me singing at crowns instead of crown, it's because there's more than one crown in the Bible. They couldn't understand it. Do you understand Jesus? That's verse 6. Listen, that's verse 6. No spiritual understanding without the Holy Spirit, without your eyes being opened. If you're blind, you do not understand the shepherd. You cannot make it to the door. Want to see it? Want to see it? Go to Genesis 19. Sorry, I know you guys are tired. I know you're beat up. I know you got one hour less sleep last night. Go to Genesis 19. I want you to know that we're in these days, as the days were the, of, of Noah, as the days were of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're in those days. We're there right now. And God has told his friends to look for it. Look what happens. I'm going to have to give you the quick story. 18, 17, Abraham and Sarah made uh, Christ and two angels a meal. They ate the meal. They had come down because they were headed to Sodom and Gomorrah to see if the evil was as evil as what they thought, and they were going to go there. So Christ is talking with Abraham. He says, hey, if there's this many, don't kill them all. You won't kill the righteous with the, with the unrighteous, will you? If there's just 10 righteous, will you not kill, destroy the city? He said, okay, Abraham, you've been tedious with me long enough. If there's 10, notice we're in, the good, we're in chapter 10 of John, the good shepherd. If there's just 10, I won't kill them all. So he leads out. Lot and his two daughters and his wife, and his wife looks back and turns into a pillar of salt. But what happens? The, the two angels come, and where do they go? We're going to see Lot's heart. You're going to see Lot's heart. You're going to see evidence of why he's called righteous Lot in the New Testament. Listen to me. He's living in a world. He's out there in the sheepfold. He's not listening to the shepherd. He's trying to be ruler over the world and at the gates. And, and these angels go and sit in the city squares. But Lot knows the depravity. And he goes out and says, don't stay out here. Come and stay in my house. Don't stay out here. They go, no, we're gonna, he goes, no, come to my house. And so he takes him into his house. He shows hospitality, which was huge in the culture. It's something we should always be meeting urgent needs. We should always be taking care of people with discernment. So in verse 3, he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast. Listen, this is his heart. He's taking care of strangers. He made them a feast. He baked unleavened bread. There's no sin in there. They're having 
fellowship together. Watch what happens. And they ate together. But before they laid down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, it's all their hearts, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so we may know them. Of course, no is euphemistic like a man and a woman knowing each other and having sex. They, and your Bible might say carnally, which is added. It's in italics. So Lot went out to them. Listen, this is what you and I are doing by the Spirit of God. We're going out to people and letting them know. Listen, look, where did he go from? He went in and out. He went out to them through the doorway. He shut the door behind him. That's verse 6, by the way. And said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. Not brethren because they know God. Brethren because they're in the same city living together. Do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters. He's trying to do something righteous, but he's doing it in his own. And he's, he's becoming a bad shepherd. He's saying, take my two daughters that are virgins. But don't sleep with these men. For that's the reason they came under the shadow of my roof, to protect them from such unrighteousness, from such wickedness. Listen, that's the reason you and I have come under God's roof, is so we won't live in an unrighteous, wicked way as in Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 9, and they said, stand back. They said, this one came in to stay here and keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down what? They're trying to get in some other way. They're trying to get in the door some other way. That's what's going on in the world today. They're getting ready to press back even harder. They've been doing it for a couple years. Things are being blamed on the Christian. They're being blamed on our morality. That's why the church is shrinking back and the false shepherds are adopting all of the lies of the CRT and the culture they don't want to have anybody. They're not standing. Listen, the heart of Lot was to stand. He went out against a whole town and stood for truth. And they threatened him. Where's he at? He's at the door. Where are you at? But the men, the angels, verse 10, look, here it is. It's verse 10. Reached out their hands. That's power. That's the work that they're doing and pulled Lot into the house with them. Are you reaching out your hands to anybody? What's the work you're doing with your hands? Are you going out to tell people not to, to be saved from this crooked and perverse generation? And they shut the door. Remember the parable of the ten virgins? The door is going to be shut. They're going to be looking for oil, and they're not going to have any. The door will be shut. And they struck the man who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, Ph.D. and no Ph.D., because they didn't believe what Lot said. They continued to go in their own heart, doing their own wickedness, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Have you become weary trying to find the door? Do you have spiritual delusion or blindness? Stop listening to the stupid TV then. Stop listening to the words on the TV. 
Stop listening to the news. Both sides are lying. They're all liars. They're all underneath the sway of the wicked one. They're just trying to get you to follow them instead of be led by the Spirit of God to do the work of the ministry for the reconciliation of souls because of the blood of Christ. Sorry, I get a little excitement in my voice. But notice what the angels told him to do, the messengers told him to do in verse 12. They instantly said to Lot, have you anyone else, son-in-law, sons, your daughters, whomever's in the city, take them out of this place. Go tell them. But they went to tell them and the mockers, they, it seemed as if it was a joke and they laughed. Listen, when you've been pulled out and you're closed inside, now you can go in and out, but it's getting coming. The judgment's coming. The wrath is coming. Fire's coming. Let him consume the dross today. This is not a joke. This is not, I'll do it tomorrow. Today is the day for salvation. Today is the day for deliverance. Today's today to go tell our family and stop worried about how they're going to react. Pray for them and go share Jesus with them and tell them that judgment is coming. That's what we're called to do. That's why he says we can go in and out after we come in the door, in and out. Nothing but the ministry of reconciliation of souls. Six, they didn't understand because they were struck with blindness because of their own wicked hearts. Seven, 10-7 of John, and let's close this. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now he's not just the shepherd, but he's became the door. He's our all in all. He's everything. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them because they know the voice of the shepherd. I am the door, verse 9. This is his third claim of being the I am that I am, the self-existing one. He's telling them clearly that he's God with them. The fourth claim is going to be the good shepherd of verse 11. I am, ego and me, the door. I'm the, I, I am the, the vessel. I am the, the, the portal, the entrance. I, I'm the portal out of this world, and you have to follow me to get into heaven. The way out of this world and the way into heaven, there's no other door. If, here's the, here it is, the condition, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Soteria. No, it's just so, sozo. It means deliver or protected, healed, preserved, rescued, to make whole. Soteria is a soteriology, so salvation. And we'll go in and out. Look at this. This is the condition. There's the evidence. It's not that you're doing works because or for salvation, but because you are so zo and you believe in him, you go in and out. You come to him and get the bread and you go and give it to others so that they can get saved. And you find the green pastures. You find it's the act of feeding. Again, it's back to Revelation 3.20 where we're setting a table in the presence of our enemies for others because of what Jesus has done for us. The thief does not, does not come, does not go in and out except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Steal means to slaughter. It means to rush. 
listen, to rush the sacrifice. To steal the victim, the, the living sacrifice that's on the altar. And to destroy, I'm looking for it, to destroy fill, fully, to pull you out of the way that Christ has designed, to bring you away from the true shepherd so that you follow self. Because listen, there's only self-deception. If you're following a shepherd that's not teaching the word of God, then you've done that on your own choice, your own free will, because you've rejected learning the voice of God, the word of God, the light of God, the truth of God, who the door is and where it's at. Do not be lazy in your salvation. You have need of endurance. So when the chief shepherd comes, you won't be ashamed. Because Jesus, they came, all these other liars, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that they may have life, zoe. Listen, this is speaking of quality of life, not quantity. Everybody has the same quantity, eternity. But what's the quality of your life? What's the condition of your life today? Now you're safe. You're being made whole. You're being purified. You can go in and out and tell others because of the quality of life that Christ gives you and that they may have it more abundantly, super abundantly in quality. It's an extraordinary life that is noticeable by the power that you possess because you know truth now, and you're not guessing, wondering, and worrying. You're not making it up because you're resting in the arms of the shepherd, the good shepherd. We'll find out next week. It's so amazing. Listen, listen to me, and I'm closing. I know I'm over. The good shepherd, you know what he does? After the grass, after it starts to get uh, long into the season and we get into the final days of the season of, of shepherds leading their sheep, guess what he does as he gets, he gets further and further away from the city sheepfold, right? And so then he takes them into the wilderness and he uses dead trees and rocks and anything he can to make, make a structure to bring them into it. And then he lays down in front of the door and becomes the shepherd, becomes the door of that. But what did he do with the children of Israel? He took them out of Egypt, the world, led them into the wilderness where they grumbled and complained. They wouldn't let him be the door. They wouldn't let him protect them. They wouldn't let him take care of them. And we'll see that in the text next week when we see that if he does save you and you do get led out and you are in this city, you don't stop listening because it's going to get darker and darker and you're going to get further and further into the wilderness until you come to your Kadesh Barnea, which is a place, a valley of decision. And you have to decide, am I going to cross the Jordan? Am I going to heaven or am I going to stay here? Am I going to keep listening to Jesus or am I going to start walking by sight again? Instead of by faith, the good shepherd lays his life down. That's what he does so that the animals have to come through the front door of Jesus to get to you. They can't get to you. They can't. They have to first bind the strong man. You can't bind Jesus. He's God, very God. So if he's in the house, nobody can get you. And you can go. You're indestructible. You can go wherever he leads you in the wilderness but you have to keep eating from his bread and drinking from his waters. 
Right now, we're learning to do that in the city. But we're going towards the wilderness because it's getting darker and darker. And it's getting later and later. And he's going to come back any minute. And where will you be found? Will you be found working, watching, waiting, be found faithful? Or will you be asleep with no oil in your lamp? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for opening blind eyes. Thank you for leading us out and then leading us in to heaven, to your kingdom, to your house, where we've been adopted by the spirit with which we cry, Abba, Father, you are mighty. You are almighty. You are amazing. Thank you. Pour out your spirit upon us. Teach us how to walk forward following the author and the finisher of our faith. Teach us how to go in and out and find the places to eat from the green pastures and listen and drink your water and tell others to turn in here. We give you praise in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I